it's amazing the difference a few days can make in something. Um, I'm finally getting back to my old self and just the whole deal. But when you go through things, man, it, if you don't have hope, it, isn't it good? Um, we've been talking about diligence. You, you know what you have to have diligence in? Hope. Be diligent in hope. Put it all in there. What does it say? Uh, an earnestness in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything? That's there were, hey, let's just put your zeal and your hunger and your appetite in hope. Um, what does it say about faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance, substance of things hoped for. And it talks about Jesus Christ being what? The hope of glory. So, uh, is Jesus that hope? Yes, it is. You know, you, even though you can't see, sometimes the things that we want to help us, to heal us, to bring us together, whatever, we can't see it then. We're not going to see it then. But we have to have faith that the substance, the hope we have in Christ, what does Christ mean, the anointed one? Is that within us? Is there an anointing in us? Yes. So Christ is that hope. There's a scripture, I think it's, is it 824 or 524? 824 of um, uh, Romans. I may have the wrong thing there. But it, texts, it talks about hope that is seen is not hope. It's the same way with Christ. You may not see him standing here in a physical body, but do you have hope in him? I base my whole life on the hope of whether or not, he doesn't have to be right here manifested as a human being. He's manifested even greater than that. He's manifested as the spirit. That's the power of that. So if he's manifested as the spirit and we follow that spirit and we're in that spirit, then that's a good thing. So let's have some diligence and hope. I even think about our young people. They have to hope beyond what they can see and feel and do here. They don't have a lot of experiences in maturity of life yet because they're to come. But just, just believe God is here. Just believe that God loves us. Just believe that God has everything that he has in him going toward us. God is God. He got everything he needs. So everything that God wants is to do what? It's toward usward. Everything, whether it's the thought, whether it's the spirit, whether it's hope, whether it's love, it's all toward us. God showed it to us first. He wants us to return it to him. That's the thing. Let's do the first works. He loved we should love, you know. What's the first command? Love the Lord thy God with the whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay, let's love him that way. He, he loved all toward us. Let's love all back to him. This is the diligence of hope. We, we, we need to have hope when we can't see the end of something. How many have ever been in something recently even you can't see the end of it? You can't see the end of it. You don't know how it's going to turn out, whatever. Guess where Jesus steps in? It's the hope. He's the substance of that hope. Well, what is that? That's you believing in him and knowing him. And then it says, what's the second part of it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of that is you believing. The evidence of that is the love you have toward God. The evidence of that is performing the works of God that God gives us to do. You know, it talks about um, we're, we're not supposed to do things as works in order to gain the, the, the uh, love of God. Then turns right around and says, but faith without works is dead. <laughs> you have to understand how it works. 
We can't work from out of our flesh toward the things of God and hoping that's going to work. But when God, by faith, what does it say? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Do you realize that God has given you what he wants you to do by this preaching of this gospel? You learn what God wants. You learn about the things that God desires for us to do. We learn about strength. We learn about hope. We learn about all those things. We also learn about the evil, don't we? Do we, do we learn about the pride and the anger and the hatred, all those things? All those things have to be taught to us because that's the tree that was eaten off of, good and evil. So does that take part in our life all the time? What should we gear ourselves toward? The good. The good. Now, sometimes something will happen and we say to ourselves, oh, man, that's evil. It may be good because God's in it and he's trying to take you and turn you another way. I think about him telling Paul, it must have amazed Paul that he had prayed, because usually when Paul prays, things happen. And then he got to that place where he prayed and, and didn't happen. He said, wait a minute, this is unusual. This is unusual for me. I've prayed and, and gotten up from the dead where they thought they killed me. I prayed and a snake latched onto my hand. And I shook it off into the fire and nothing happened. I prayed and I was on a ship and I was going to be shipwrecked and die. And God saved me. You know, all these things that he did. These journey, remember, he was in the crowd and they were going to tear him apart. If the centurion hadn't pulled him out of that crowd and started taking him away, those people would have torn him apart about the things that he said. That's where we run into the woman uh, with the spirit of divination, don't we? These men have come from God. You know, she told the truth, but it was from the wrong spirit. You know, what, what she was trying to do is in, ingratiate herself into a point to what he's saying and what I'm saying, it's the same thing. We're together on this. No, we're not. <clears throat> he had to make it very explicit that we're not together on this. Even though she spoke words of truth, these men have come from God. Yeah. Well, the devil knows when you come from God. You know, think about that. When he went to the demoniac, and the demoniac rushed up at him and all that stuff and the whole thing. And then what would the demoniac say? Hey, did you come to judge us before our time? Whatever. They know. The devil knows. But here's the thing that's important about that. Which side are you on in that? Oh, yeah, he can speak some things in a partial truth. If it's a partial truth, is it still a lie? What, what, uh, some people think if I don't say anything about what I know, uh, it's not the same as lying. It's, it's just, you're just stepping outside of it and saying, okay, I'm not going to say anything. But you know the answer, or you know what it was that was seen, or you know what, but if I just don't say it, I'm not partaking in it. That, that's not good either. Pharisees did that a lot. You know that? Yeah. They did it a lot. Um, they, they knew certain things, but they wouldn't enter into it. Because number one, they were afraid that Jesus was going to catch them in it. Who was trying to catch people all the time, though? Wasn't it the Pharisees always trying to trap them and catch them? But when, after the, Jesus started busting them a few times, and they said, well, you know, we better not say that because uh, he's, he's going to get us again. Remember when he asked me, he said, well, uh, you remember John? Why didn't you do what John said to do? And they could, didn't have an answer, remember? And so they said, well, then none of us, we won't speak. We'll be quiet then. Like, that's going to take care of everything. And Jesus kept talking until him said, yeah. You can be quiet now, but uh, I understand what you did. And I understand that you believed John to a certain extent. And, but you were wondering that if he was the Messiah or not. Well, let me tell you, he wasn't. I am. He told you who I was. 
So I know I am the Messiah. Before Abraham was, I am. Wait a minute, how can you be? You're not even 50 years old yet, and you're before Abraham? I said, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Abraham knew about me. You see how? And he said, if, you, if your father is Abraham, then you should receive me. If you say your father's Abraham, you should receive me. Another time they said, your father, our father is God. We, we're not adulterers. We're not this and that. Okay, if your God is the father, then you should receive me because I came from the father. And then they wanted to pick up stones and stone him because he made himself equal with God. It's the funniest thing in the world. They can say those things. That's what a hypocrite does. A hypocrite will pro, uh, claim something and then at the same time try to cover himself. I thought Micah did pretty good this morning talking about covering, the covering in the Garden of Eden, you know, what Adam and Eve tried to do. That's a, a thing that men do, women do all the time. We try to cover ourselves when we're in the wrong. We try to make it seem like what we were saying and what we were doing was something that, that was necessary or that we needed to do, and we feel justified in it. But then we find out later, that's sin. So you can't be justified in it. Now sanctify yourself. Sanctify yourself. It, it, Jesus told us, was this John 17, 17? Sanctify him through thy truth, thy word is truth. That's how we get sanctified. Sanctify him through that truth. There has to be a true when so much false is going on, huh? There is so much false going on. I, I beg you again, I'm going to tell you this, do not get caught up with all the different things that are going on in the world around us. Every day there's something different. Every day there's something else that's coming up. And, and it may strike you in a certain way. You say, well, yeah, I do believe that. And be careful. Don't be caught up in the spirit of the world. Dan gave us that, that uh, admonition probably a month or two ago. He said, do not get caught up in the spirit of the world. Well, that's right when this goes, and that's this and that. Yeah, go ahead. You get yourself all involved in it and see where it takes you in God. Um, you know, there were issues in Jesus' day. There were issues against the Roman government. There were issues about, you know, whether or not, you know, should we be an insurrection? Should we support insurrectionists against the Romans? Should we do this and do that? Jesus never bothered with any of it at all. He just walked through what he was going to walk through, did what he was going to do, and people left the world to come to him. That's what happened. They left where they were at, and they came to him. That's the thing that's very important. So lots of issues. Uh, there were people in rebellion during that time. You know, remember they talked about uh, where Pontius Pilate mingled the blood of some insurrectionists at, at the altar? They, there'd be some... Been, insurrection. Well, yeah, this is the right thing to do. We need to fight against the government. We need to do this and that. Uh, I remember something. I'm going to tell you this openly because he said it openly. Uh, Dan Deaver told me one time, he says, yeah, this government is corrupt and this is that. All governments are if they're run by men. If they're run by men, they're corrupt. People say, oh, no, this is a good guy. This is a no, I haven't found one yet. All of them have some weakness, some thing in them. It's the thoughts of men and, you know, and they try to justify things, but he, he stopped paying his taxes. Joined that group where they fought against paying the taxes and stuff. And, uh, and he used to brag to it, uh, me and Claudette about it a little bit. He said, yeah, I, I followed my beliefs. What happened, Dan? I spent two and a half years in prison. <laughs> he did. He 
spent two and a half years in prison by following that group. He said, oh, we, we've got this by the Constitution. We're going to do this and that. Here's what I'm going to try and tell you. The spirit of the world, when it draws you into that, it's never going to complete what it says it's going to do. It can't because it's the spirit of the world. God is the only one by spirit that can complete everything that he says. But when it's the spirit of the world, you get to the end of that thing and say, I thought you said such and such. And such. You know what? I'm sorry, bro. I, I, I don't know what happened. And you left there, boom. You know what I mean? That's the spirit of the world. There is no profit to it. What does it uh, uh, profit a man if he gained the whole world, the whole world, and lose his? The soul is the most precious thing, guys. Dan, on his last blog, number 73, I think it is, at the very end of it, did you hear him talking about zeal? About zeal of the spirit? I, I love how these things are coming together. You know, and he talked about the zeal of the spirit is very important. If you cannot hook into that zeal that the spirit has, Jesus tells you, he says, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Well, I want you to stop and think. You're the house. Those merchandisers and all that stuff was in there. What was that typifying in you? Merchandising and trafficking of thoughts that are opposing God. Yeah, you look at it as a scene going to a building, a temple, and he, and he whips people out and whatever. Guess what Jesus is really showing you? You're the temple. There are money changers in there with you. People that believe their thought is rich. Thoughts you have that you believe are rich. I, I, I think I have this. I think I have that. And God's going to come and he's going to whip out those money changers. Money, riches. You understand where he's doing that? And cleanse his temple. What did he say it was? He said, uh, this is a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. Well, what about the thief? The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what that whole thing is about. It's not about Jesus being violent. I heard some man talking on the radio the other day. He says, oh, yeah, Jesus could be violent if he wanted to be. That wasn't violence. That was Jesus' righteousness coming against the unrighteous. It's as simple as that. When he comes against the unrighteous in you, does that, uh, what, how does it work? Fire. Isn't it a fire? Or when he comes after the unrighteous, he said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And if I have to burn up the works of those things, those spirits that are in there, I'm going to do it. I am going to do it because that's what I am. I am fire. That's what Jesus is, the fire of the Spirit, the fire of God, the fire of the zeal of God. The zeal of the Lord of hosts has performed this. Well, he did that for us. He came to, his zeal was so great, he said, you know what, I'm going to come and die. I will die, but I'm going to take on part of what I'm going to die for. I have to experience what I'm dying for. I have to experience and know what this flesh is, what these people and thoughts are. So there can never be any thought coming back toward me that I didn't know. No, I'm going to partake of, and I'm going to suffer in that. Wait, wait, wait. How many of us want to partake in things that we want to suffer at? <laughs> We're going to suffer. It's kind of an amazing thing. But just like I said, Dan talked about that zeal. Very important. You've got to have it. It's the appetite. It's the hunger in you to do the things of God. That's what that zeal really is. Um, Hebrews chapter 2. Listen to this. Uh, Micah read it, part of it this morning. I love when all these things start coming together. He read part of it this morning. I said, that's the very scripture I was looking at. So it says, um, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come. 
whereof we speak. Who do you put the world in subjection to? Not the angels, but to who? To Jesus Christ. And because he's in us, can we put that world in subjection to? You just have to make the right choice. You have to have the right will, right? But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? <laughs> Angels desired to figure out, well, why are you so concerned about Adam and all of the things that are going to have? God knew already through prophecy. He understood why he was concerned. Maybe the angels didn't have all the, the full story, but God had the full story. Made him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. This is Jesus and, and Adam. Kind of. Didn't he do this of Adam in the earth? That he had dominion over everything? But then on the works of his hands, as far as Jesus is, isn't he over everything? It says that a little bit later. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. Wow. Everything's under him, huh? But now we see not yet all things put under him. You know why? Because we're still dealing with devils, aren't we? Are we still dealing with weaknesses? Are we still dealing with, with the pride? Are we still dealing with the anger and the hatred? All of these, are we still dealing with it? Now, we, we've been talking to you about certain parts of darkness that, that appear in our lives. Yes, we've come away in recognizing a lot of things and light has come unto us. That is true. And we walk in the light and we follow the light. But there are things that start to interrupt our process in following the light. Sometimes it's things that, that we want to garner here and say, well, I just want to be right here. I want to have things work out my way here. Don't bother God about that. Because in this physical realm, that, that's not where he's not here to make things right for you here. He's here to make things right in your world. So that what he makes right in your world will manifest here. See how that works? So is it the spirit first? Remember before it used to say, first came the natural, then the spiritual. But now that we're under what? Grace and truth? Now that we've entered into the things that Jesus has said, and he's written it in our heart, now is it spirit first, then natural? That's the way it has to be now. There's been a change and the change all came about by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. These things that we see now and that have taken place in us is what we need to be grabbing hold to. Grab hold to it. We have issues in our life that keep us from doing that. We have stumbling blocks and whatever. But here's what I want you to say. Remember I told you, you have to have diligence and hope. You have to hope beyond your circumstances, always, that God is there to do what? bring you into salvation. Always. Isn't that the most important thing? Well, we think the most important thing is our houses, our land, or what we do here, or where. No. The most important thing, <laughs> they always say this, and me repeating it, should be good for you. Nobody's on their deathbed saying, I wish I had more time to earn more money. I wish I had more time to start more businesses. I wish I had, no. You know what they're usually talking about? I should have served God, and I should have done better by my family. Don't they say that? I wish I'd had better things I'd done toward my family. You know why that's important? That's the generations. People say, well, generations are spiritual. Yes, they are, but can they start right here in your children? That's a generation right there. I talked to Trini yesterday on the phone with her old cute self, and she's telling me she's getting ready to start her, her master's thing. She's going to graduate and go right into her master's. I said, good. 
He's going to say, I'm so proud of you. I am. That's my daughter, too. Whew. Good stuff. And those, you, you think, well, is that just because she seems to be walking in a, in a light toward the Lord? All of those, I, I don't care who your children are. We have prayed for them. We have known them. I, I told the guy that bought my house. We went out in the back. He said, I, he said, why did you get this type of swimming pool? I said, because when an earthquake comes, it'll shake a little bit and settle right back in. And I don't have to have concrete I have to repair. He said, that's smart. I said, yeah, that's why I kept it. <laughs> I liked it like that. He said, well, well what, you built this gazebo. I said, I had friends that helped me build this gazebo. In fact, when I got up there, I fell off the ladder and, and did the thing. They had to complete everything. But I fell from an eight-foot ladder, and I had an edict from my wife. You no longer climb ladders anymore. That's just the way it is. But we built that thing. But he said, wait a minute, I see something here. There was a little chip off of one of the tiles over there. He said, what, what, what happened there? I said, there was a kid by the name of Justin. And he wanted to jump in the pool, but he wanted to show he could do it from the gazebo. And he took off and he shoved himself off of there where he shoved himself so hard he cracked that thing and went into the pool. I was worried he was going to be short on hitting the pool because he didn't get the oomph that he wanted because that thing broke. And you know how people fall short. But he made it. He made it into the pool and he got it just smiling. Just smiling. Hair all wet, just smiling up there. You know, you know why I remember that? Because he's part of my family. You see how it works? Giovanni's part of my family. All, all the kids, all of them, are, you know why? Because I know their parents. You know why? Because the parents are the children of God. You know why? Alex and what? Alex, Rosa, and what else? Ty? Uh-huh. Don't we bring all that together? So, so we pray for them. No matter what state they're in, are they the generations of us? That's what it is. That's what it is. And sometimes we suffer with them, don't we? <laughs> I had five of them, and I suffered with them. <laughs> and you know what? I'm still suffering sometimes with them. Whew. You know why? Because we're always going to be parents. Always. And we love them. We do that through love, don't we, Ernest? Make mistakes, whatever, we still do it through love. Mm. So the rest of this says, but now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. And he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. He tasted the death for you. He didn't ask you to go into it first. He tasted it first. And then he said, now, every one of you has to die like I died. Didn't he say that? We have to take our, our cross, every one of us, and follow him. We have to walk in the light as he walked in the light. And walking in that light sometimes brings you to a place of suffering. Oh, God will show it to you clearly. Yeah, you may get crucified here. There may be things you have to go through. You may be beheaded, whatever it may be. But the light is that he's with you. So you follow on. You follow on to see the Lord, don't you? See what the Lord has in store for you. Look at what it says next. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons into glory. That's what he's trying to do. 
He's bringing many sons into glory. You know how he does that? He veils the flesh. He takes the glory away from the flesh, puts it in the spirit, which always had it, and then you follow the glory of the spirit. But there, the glory of the flesh profits nothing. All you get is men saying, pat you on the back, say how cool you are and how good you are and whatever. That's the only glory you're ever going to get from the flesh. Being seen of men, known of men, whatever. Yeah, you're a good guy. That's all you're ever going to get from them. They don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. They have no power of the spirit. But the one that I serve does. He has the power to do it. So he says this. For it became him for whom are all things, by whom are all things, and bringing many sons into glory, not captivity, glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. The captain. Who's the captain? It's Jesus. Who's the author? Because it means author. Jesus. Who's the prince? It also means prince. Jesus. Prince of peace, huh? That's what it means being the captain over us. Isn't that true? But he said, well, I had to put him in a place where he must suffer. This is the father talking now. Put him in a place where he must suffer because all that are going to follow him are going to have to do the same thing. It is a suffering way leaving the flesh and going toward the spirit. There are things that try to grab hold of you and try to hold on to you. You have to tear yourself away from them. Like the boy that was in the fire, that spirit tore him and came out. It didn't want to leave. Didn't want to leave. And they thought he was dead after us because it tore him so bad coming out. But no, Jesus said, come on, get up. It's done now. That spirit is gone. Thy deaf and dumb spirit. And, and, and here's the other part we forget that he says, and enter into him no more. So he banished him, that spirit. Can God banish spirits in us? Yes, he can. He can banish them. He speaks to it and says, go. I, I love that centurion. Say, I'm a man of authority. I tell people to go, they go. I tell them to come, they come. I'm over a legion of three to 6,000 men. I know what power and authority is, but I've seen you. <laughs> I've watched you and I've heard about you. He said, Lord, I'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof. Ooh, speak the word. Speak it. Just speak it. Wow. What faith. Just speak it. Can we say the same thing? Are we having troubles? Can we speak it by faith and say, Lord, heal us. Bring us together. Do what we need to do. Take us out of the clutches of the adversary. Help us to overcome lust. Help us to overcome hatred and anger. Can, you, can we do that? Can we say, Lord, do that and come into them no more? That's power. We pray, but it takes your will too, doesn't it? Are you willing to allow the healing to take place? Are you willing to have the hope? Are you too concentrated on the wrong that's going on or the things that bother you or the offense you have or the hatred or the anger? Are you concentrating on that too much and not seeing the hope that's standing right here? He's always next to you. The hope of glory. Isn't he always there? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let your be zeal be such that you understand that Christ is always with you. He's in you and with you, is he not? 
He walked with them and said, I have been with you, now I shall be in you. So remember that. Remember that. But when you forget him and go off into a dark place, you're not going to be able to see him very well. It's when you see him and allow him to help you not to go into the dark place. Are there dark places in us still? That's what 1 Corinthians 4 or 5 says. Don't judge anything before the time. But God's going to take that light and shine it on the hidden things of dark. Is there a lot of hiding going on? Are there spirits that hide in you? Are there spirits that are still trying to hide? Spirits of disruption and contention and division. Are they still trying to hide? Hmm. So we have to come to that and start saying, you're banished. You don't have a home here anymore. But that's only going to come through hope and belief and faith. It's going to come through the zeal of the Lord of hosts because you turned your will to him and not to self. That's how it works. So the captain of our salvation was made perfect through sufferings. What was made perfect? That flesh he took on. God's already perfect, isn't he? But the captain of our salvation came in flesh so that he could die in the flesh, have dominion over the flesh, and bring you into the spirit and the soulish nature of salvation and not the soulless nature of sin. We've been made living souls. So now let's every aspect of our soul Can it be brought to a place to be regenerated? Yes. Every aspect can be regenerated. And what's the most important one of all to be regenerated? The Son. The Son. Because everything's all based on Him. Just like we read. Everything under Him. So the Son is the most important one. Let's get that aspect taken care of. Not a son of perdition, but a son of God. Know who you are. Don't allow the perdition to come. Don't take steps backwards in the things you know about God. Why take a step backwards? Go forward in God. This is what God wants. There's another scripture I wanted to go to. I actually get upset when I see spirits causing things to happen that uh, will cause harm to the people of God. Okay, we've said this many times, but listen to this. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. So your will's involved, isn't it? You have to let it be in you. Can you keep it out? Sure. But you have to let this be in you. So whatever you have to do, To let that happen, whatever you have to take care of, whatever you have to overcome, whatever you have to face, whatever you have to put under your feet, all those things, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So people say that it's impossible to have the same mind Jesus had. No, it isn't, because he said he was going to give it to you. He said that. He said a prayer for us in the 17th chapter of St. John. He said, all of those that you've given me, Father, I haven't lost any except the one that was ordained to be lost. He said, but Father, you and me, me and them, both, all of us in them, them and us. He said, Father, I pray, I, I don't want you to take them out of the world because that's not the will of God. Not to take you out. You have to face these things. 
So are we facing things of the world? Most assuredly. He said, I want you to take them out of it. I want you to strengthen them while they're in it. These things that happen in the world, I want you to help them to face it. I'm paraphrasing now. And love you so much that they overcome it. And I pray for them, Father, and all of them that they'll beget by your word. So is he, did he pray for us? We're a result of that, huh? From those 12 men back then, it's still going on today. Best-selling book in the world is the Bible. Always, always has been, always will be. That's just the way it works. His word has gone forth. And this word we have to believe. Well, has that word been misinterpreted and taken off in a wrong way and all that? That's why we have 20,000 religions. But what we have to do is understand there is a way. There's a right way. And this is what God is trying to show us now. So he became part of us to show that it could be done and then said, now I'm going to leave you with the power to see if you can do it. That's it. I'm going to go back to the Father, which he's doing, sitting on the right hand of the Father. Didn't he say that? Didn't they watch him as he disappeared? The same Jesus that's taken away from him was coming again in like manner. Why stand ye here gazing? He told you to do something. Yeah, he did. We better get on. <laughs> Move to Jerusalem. Don't stand here wondering about it. He said he's going to take care of you. He always did. So let's get to Jerusalem. And he says, and you're going to get something when you get there. You're going to get something. Tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. Isn't this cool? So they were obedient to it. Jesus has a lot to say about obedience. Be obedient to the things of God. Obey those that have the rule over you. Why? Because they're doing it for your souls. It's the soul that's involved. What, what's the big fight over, soul? Is your soul going to be given over to the devil or is your soul going to be given over to God? It's as simple as that. Is there a resurrection of it all? Oh, yeah. Unto life, everlasting life, and unto damnation. All of it has to come up. He made himself of no reputation. I better go back up a little bit. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's what they wanted to stone him for, because he said that. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Here we go again. If I, your Lord and Master, wash your feet, you should wash one another's feet. Take on the form of a servant. Peter, if you don't allow me to be a servant in the presence of you, then you have no part with me. Because I'm trying to teach you, you have to be that same servant. You have to be. You have to be a servant. You have to, almost to the point of being a slave. Paul said it this way, I, I, I'm a slave to Christ. I'm a servant to Christ. I'm in bondage to Christ. If I want to be in bondage to something, it's going to be to Christ, not to men, not to other spirits. This is what I want. I'm a, he said it this way, I'm a prisoner of Christ. Isn't that how he said it? He said, I'm a prisoner of Christ. That's the type of prisoner you want to be. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, all in Jesus. You want to be that type. You want to be a prisoner like that. And then he talked about fellow prisoners sometimes. 
people that believed like he believed. They had a zeal of God. They wanted to serve God. So he took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. What was the difference in him? He was made in the likeness of men. His mind never left the celestial. Never. And being found in fashion as a man, here is gold. This is what we need. He humbled himself. Sometimes we feel like we're so right about things, but we may not be. Can you let it go and humble yourself? Can you humble yourself? Lord, can I bring every thought unto the obedience of you? Doesn't it say that in that 2 Corinthians 10.4? Every thought has to be brought into the obedience. What does it say about tearing down those strongholds? Isn't that what it has to happen? Yeah. Bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. That's impossible. Not for Christ. Not for the spirit of Christ. It's not impossible for him. That is well able. He's well able to do that and bring that to pass. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he had, that flesh had to become obedient to it, didn't it? Didn't he have to bring it into subjection? Even when he was in the garden, the flesh still wanted to say a little something, huh? Father, if possible, let this cup pass. But that spirit in that mind said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So are there going to be times our flesh does not want to do the will of God? There's a lot of times our flesh doesn't want to do the will of God. We're so hung up on what is ours, what's mine. You know, I'm going to hold on to this. No, let it go. Let it go. Because this is what God wants. This is the freedom he talks about. This is the liberty he talks about. Very powerful. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in the earth. That means everything you think, guys. Everything that's in your world has to bow. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a set of scriptures. Isn't that powerful? So does the zeal have to be there to do that? You have to come to the place where you say, I'm going to serve Christ and nothing else. All I know is Jesus and him crucified. That's what I know. That's what I know. And then he teaches you from there all the things that was necessary for you to know. But he, the first thing he came, he crucified, right? He died for us. That's the key. And he rose for us. So now that he's gone through the death, burial, and resurrection, we can do the same thing and walk in the newness of life. Some of us are still walking in the old life. We still let the same old spirits jerk us around and do things to us. And that, like I said, sometimes that just upsets me seeing it because I'm seeing it happen. But I understand what God is doing. Everybody has come to a place of testing of trying, don't we all? We have to be proven. Did he prove Israel? What did he prove? That they were unbelievers? Didn't he prove that? Yeah, he did. What did he do with the 12 apostles? He proved that they were believers. 12 tribes that weren't, 12 men that were. You see how this works? So he proved the believer. What are you? 
supposed to be the believer, right? This is the key. So this is what God is doing. Speaking of key, goes back to Rick's thing. Gave us the keys to death and hell. He said that during that conference, said, I give it to you. Do you think that's a joke? Or do you think that's something that was prophesied for every one of us to have? The power to have the keys of death and hell. Well, what if death and hell are tearing you a new one now and you haven't gotten any key anywhere? You don't have the key because you allow that to happen. You allow the things that that man says, the man of sin says, to be preeminent in your life. And it's manifested. Trouble everywhere. All kinds of junk going on. Contention, hatred, all of that. So when are we supposed to have this key? When are we supposed to use it? It's going to have to be used by faith, and it's now. We need to overcome all of these things that are hindering us doesn't have salvation for us a lot of things going on in our mind if you think about it there are a lot of thoughts in everybody's mind that is coming some of them are bringing things you say my goodness why am i thinking about this it's the time god has you thinking about it for a reason not to run from it not to fear it so that he can oppose that spirit you and him together. Walk in that and then get it done. And then go to the next one. Because we have a bunch of spirits after us. A bunch of things that are doing things. So let's take them on one at a time if we have to. Let's let God help us with that. To oppose that spirit. So how are you going to have to do that? You have to love him above everything. Your zeal should be so great that it's anything God wants and nothing else that I want. We have enough of what we want. Now it's time for God to get what he wants. Does God desire something in us? Most assuredly. I had a vision one day at my old house. I came out to preach and I looked and there was a there was a um, tower, a small tower going clockwise and it was turning and I could see the flames in it, all the different colors in the flames, the red, the yellows, the oranges, everything, very brilliant, and it was turning. And I'm looking at, looking at that, and out of the center of that thing, out of the center of that tunnel, out of the center of that, whatever that was turning, was the phrase, the desire of the Lord, the desire of the Lord, the desire of the Lord. I don't know what I was going to preach that day, but I preached the desire of the Lord. What I had, whatever I had in me, that's what I preach. Because that's what that was all about. Later on, I've gotten some other understanding that it wasn't actually fire, but those reds and oranges and yellows were leaves. And that tree is turning. And out of the center of it, it says the desire of the Lord. What is a tree? God is getting his desire out of us if if we're willing to take the vision <laughs> where there's no vision people perish believe God you know what his vision is for all of us to be back with him again prophecy everything the vision of God he wants us all back he doesn't want to lose anything and with the power of God can he get us all back there's time involved 
So whether you want to stay outside the things of God for a trillion years, that's up to you. But the time is now. God wants to get us back now. Don't have to go through torment and pain for a trillion years. Nobody wants to do that. Let's, let's come to God now while we're able to come to God. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Let the desire of the Lord consume you, because that's really what that is. It's the zeal of God, the desire of the Lord. I come to do thy will, O God. Isn't that what he said? It's written of me in the volume of the book. Father, thou preparest me a body to do that, didn't you? To come and die and raise again. This commandment have I received of my Father. If I lay it down to pick it up again for the salvation of every man. I'm going to do that. To taste death, as we read a little while ago, for every man. So I'll lay it down and I'll pick it up again, knowing that death has no power over me anymore. That's what he did. And so he said, now you do it. You do it. And don't let death have dominion over you anymore. No death, no hell. Because he has given us power over that. He gave us the keys to it. Didn't he? That was prophesied to us by our brother Rick. He gave us the keys to it. Are you living beneath your privilege? Yes, I'll answer for you. Yes. Let's go to the privilege of what God has given us and be blessed. Anybody have any questions for me today about what I said? After our salvation was made perfect through suffering, realize there will be suffering. There will be. That's, that's what it takes. Isn't it good when you suffer and you come out on the other end and you can look back at it? And I just went through that recently in the natural and I can look back at it and I'm so good. I feel so good now. But you had to have some suffering first before you could do that. Isn't that true? Anybody have any questions for me online? You all be blessed. Every one of you that's listening to this word of God. It's not us. It's the word of God from heaven. We don't have anything to do with it except being a vessel. So let, let's let that get in your mind there. God bless you all.